Hello and welcome to this short video presentation from Your Family Through Time, providing a selection of essential dates for the family historian. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Sarah and I'm a genealogist and family historian and you can find out more about my research services at my website www.yourfamilythroughtime.co.uk Whether you're a hobbyist or a professional genealogist, there are key dates when events and government interventions affected the type of and the content of those research records which provide the basis of any family tree research. They include parish registers, census returns and civil registration records. So what are the significant dates? Let's start with parish registers. These were officially introduced in 1537 by Thomas Cromwell. The next significant date is 1597 when bishops transcripts of parish registers were introduced. These were copies of parish registers made annually, usually on Lady Day or the 25th of May, and sent to the bishop for his records. There was then the period of the Civil War and Interregnum between 1641 and 1660. During this period, Charles I was executed. The monarchy was replaced by the Commonwealth led by Oliver Cromwell. The established Church of England lost its monopoly on Christian worship, throwing the church and its records into disarray, and ultimately ending with the restoration of Charles II in 1660. During this period, there were two main acts of Parliament, which concern the family historian, both being marriage acts. Firstly, in 1653, an act prevented marriage by license and allowed marriages by bands only. And secondly, in 1657, when marriage license were, rest were restored. The next significant date is 1666, with the Burial in Woolen Act being introduced. This meant that everybody being buried was to be wrapped in wool and this was introduced to help the woolen trade. In 1694, taxes were introduced for marriages, births and deaths, and the amount paid would be recorded in the parish registers, and those taxes continued until 1706. The next significant date is 1752, with the change from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar. This meant the first day of the year was changed from the 25th of March, or Lady Day, to the 1st of January. And then again in 1754, Lord Hardwick's Marriage Act was introduced. And this introduced separate registers for marriages. In 1765, Dade registers were introduced. These were standard form registers for births and deaths, introduced in and around the county of Yorkshire, and they were restricted to Yorkshire and surrounding areas. In 1783, the Stamp Act introduced yet further taxes on births, marriages and deaths, and the Stamp Act was repealed in 1794. And in 1812, Roses Act was introduced, and this introduced separate registers for births and burials, and also the age of death had to be recorded in the burial registers. Whilst baptism and burial records um, are still kept today by the church, it's more likely that 19th and 20th century research will be conducted using civil registration records. So what are the significant dates for civil registration? 
or civil registration was introduced in 1837. And the first significant date after that was is 1874. Until 1874, whilst births were required to be registered, there was no penalty for its failure. And therefore, in 1874, saw the introduction of legal penalties for non-registration of births. The next significant date isn't until 1911, when mothers' maiden names were to be included in the General Registration Office Birth Index. And in 1912, both surnames of spouses were to be included in the General Registration Office Marriage Index. In 1927, there were two acts introduced. One introduced the Adopted Children's Register, and the other was the Births and Deaths Registration Act, which introduced the Stillbirth Register. The next significant date wasn't until 18, sorry, 1984, when the General Registration Office began to index, sorry, began to produce annual indexes rather than quarterly indexes of births, marriages and deaths. Up until then, they had been produced on a quarterly basis. Another key source for research in the 19th and 20th century are the census returns and more information can be found about the census returns generally by listening to my short series of podcasts looking at census returns available at my website and on Spotify and YouTube. 1801 saw the first decennial census being introduced and the first four were essentially statistical only and therefore of little use to the family historian. However, in 1841, the census included a person's name, age, rounded down to the nearest five if they were over the age of, age of 15, a person's occupation and whether they were born in the current county. Therefore, this is the first census which is of use to the family historian. The next census in 1851 also included the person's relation to the head of the household, their marital status and place of birth. And in this census, ages were no longer rounded down. 1861 saw the census become the responsibility of the General Register Office rather than the Home Office, and it includes a person's economic status. In 1871, the census returns also included whether some, someone was an imbecile, an idiot or a lunatic. And in 1881, if you were living in Scotland, it included um, what language you spoke. That was also included in the 1891 census, if you were living in Wales. The 1891 census also included whether someone was an employer, an employee or independent. The um, 1901 census also provided additional information about um, the places in which our ancestors lived. It included the number of rooms, if the house was less than had less than five rooms, um, and whether a person was an employer, a worker, or they worked from home, or they didn't work at all. The returns from 1841 through to 1901, which are available to the public, are in fact the enumerator's returns. In 1911, we saw the release of the first household schedules, which were actually completed by our ancestors. Um, they also include uh, the, a person's industrial service in which they were connected, how long they'd been married, how many children had been born to them, 
how many children were still living and how many had died, and whether they had any infirmity. The 1921 census has just been released on the 6th of January 2022. And again, these are the household schedules, but they do include slightly more information than the 1911 census. Um, you can see more information about the 1921 census on my blog, specifically dealing with that available again, available on my website and on Spotify and YouTube. Um, there is a 100 years restriction rule on the release of census records and with the 1931 census records having been destroyed in the Second World War and no census having been conducted in 1941 during the Second World War, the next census to be released will be the 1951 census, which will not be released until 2052, unless restrictions are changed. There's also the 1939 um, National Register which is available and is akin to a census, but doesn't include um, much less information. Again, you can see my blog or podcast on the 1939 National Register available on my website or on Spotify and YouTube. So I hope you have found this information useful and that it provides you with a basis for starting your family research. If you have um, any queries or you would like any assistance with your research or you'd like to know more about some of these events and how they may affect the availability of records why not visit my website to see how i may be able to help or email me at sarah at yourfamilythroughtime.co.uk